welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Delisted the Podcast. I'm Michael Kay. And I'm Allison. We're going to devote the entire first part of this episode to a little interview. It went under the radar on Sunday night. I don't think anybody watched it. Allison and I were probably the only ones. Yeah, I mean, we're going this we're going to be breaking news for a lot of people. I'd say most of the globe. Yes, nobody knows about this. So, mm-hmm. on Sunday, Oprah interviewed Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, and I'm sure like we said this is the first year hearing of it because it's not like 17 million people watched it in the US and 12 million in the UK. Not at all. Nobody nobody watched it. No, what is what is a million? You know, how do you even count that number? How do you, well, one, two, three. Do you want me to count to it? Oh, I think there's six zeros in it. Yeah, I think it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I had to watch this interview because it wasn't live for the West Coast. CBS hates the West Coast, so it wasn't live for us. I had to watch it on a janky live stream, you know, like one of those sites, like one, two, three movies, some shit like that. You know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? The VPN is like somewhere in Poland. Yeah, I don't know. But it was so janky and it kept cutting out and it froze a lot. So sometimes like I'd be watching it and Megan would be about to say something and she would freeze and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is an amazing dramatic pause. Yeah. And it was fucking froze. Yeah. You're lucky, though. You had a you had a stream. Okay, so I couldn't find a stream anywhere. I clearly wasn't searching the darkest parts of the Internet. I'm sure I probably could have found a stream, but I. Oh, yeah, you should have you should have texted me. I would have sent you this janky stream. I mean, it was janky, but it worked. I would have accepted it with open arms. So here's what I was trying to do instead. So I don't have um, cable. What I have is an antenna and I can get like four channels on it. And the channel that I was supposed to watch it on is called Global. And Global wasn't coming in for me. All I was getting was like CBC with the Great Canadian Bake Off. I was losing my mind. I got a French channel that was doing me no favors. And so I just had to put away my antenna and I was watching clips on Twitter. So my greatest thanks, bless you Twitter, for uploading tons and tons of clips, which of course all got pulled. Like Oh, immediately. Yeah, but you yeah, but I'm sure they covered most of it. They covered all of it. I legitimately watched that whole interview with Twitter clips and it was great. I got the full experience. Welcome to 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about, of course, the Megan Airy interview. And since most of you watched it, read about it, watched the clips on Twitter and beyond, I won't get into the details of everything they said, but um, we'll go over the interview and the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Um. And I know that you and I, Allison, thought this interview was going to be a nothing burger, which it ew, wasn't. Ew, it <laughs> me saying nothing burger. I know. But it wasn't. I thought on, I honestly thought that it was going to be a host tour. Like, I thought it was going to be a home tour. I thought it was going to be like a standard Oprah interview where it was like, show us your backyard, show us your kitchen. Is this an avocado tree? And it wasn't at all. Well, they showed us chickens, but yeah, it, what, it, she, Megan gave us a lot. It was like one thing after the other, although it started off rocky because Megan started off with a blatant lie. And then okay. I'm like, uh, can I trust anything she says after this? So she says she, when she first like hung out with Prince Harry, like started dating him, she didn't Google him before that. 
And I'm that, like, girl. That's a lie. That's a lie. Everybody. That's a straight up lie. Everybody Googles everybody. I mean, I've only dated non-celebrities and I still Google all of them. Oh, I've Googled every non-famous person I've ever been with. And like, even when you can't get a decent Google, like I turn into a Ouija board and I'm like, I got to find everything out about them. But yeah. So when she said she didn't Google him, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she lied. But anyways, so the main themes from the interview were that a lot of what was written in the tabloids about Harry and Meghan was twisted. There's racism in the royal family, which shocking. Mm-hmm. And that the firm didn't support Harry and Meghan at all. So the firm is the nickname for the business of the royal family because the queen doesn't run the game. So no. each house like has a staff and it's all very corporate. Like there's an HR department. Yeah. And um, also, like, Meghan and Harry had nothing bad to say about the Queen. They only had good things to say. They, I mean, they knew the Queen would check them. Mm-hmm. So they kept it, they kept it nice about the Queen. I, the Queen is very old. No disrespect to her. She's old. And I don't really don't think she totally knows what's going on, like, with day to day. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. She kind of just... Goes where they tell her. Yeah. That's what I got from the interview. So Megan said that going in to the royal family, she had no training on how to be a royal. And so she didn't even know, like, she had to curtsy in front of the queen, even at private family events. She thought she only had to curtsy, like, at official events. But she also has to do it, like, if they're having a family barbecue, which I'm sure they have many of those because they're like that. But um, she still has to curtsy. So she didn't know that. So when she first met the queen... She didn't know how to curtsy. They taught her, Harry taught her outside. And so that, she said that, like, that's kind of, she said that to kind of, like, paint the picture that she really didn't know what she was getting into. Mm -hmm. So she, she had to learn quick. And she also quickly had a hard time with, like, the palaces, the palace's stance on not commenting on tabloid stories. Like, they, they always let out a no comment Mm-hmm. to a tabloid source. They don't really comment it. So one instance is uh, the old, that is how the tabloids always try to pit Meghan Markle and Duchess Kate, who is Prince William's wife, against each other. Like, you know, Kate is Snow White and Meghan is the evil queen. Mm-hmm. So like a- Oprah showed the difference in how the tabloids treated the two, such as like Kate got a headline about how she was even eating avocados to deal with morning sickness. And Megan got a headline about how her beloved avocados is what they called it, uh, were linked to human rights abuse. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, so that so was like the difference. So, so yeah. So, but one story that Megan wanted to clear up was a story that we heard about a lot, which was a mm-hmm. tiff she and Kate had over flower girl dresses for Megan's wedding. So the tabloids claim that Kate and Megan got into a big fight over these flower girl dresses and Megan made Kate cry. Mm-hmm. Megan said the opposite happened. So she said she's the one who cried and Kate later apologized and sent her flowers. Megan also said that Kate is a good person but that both Kate and the palace knew the truth about that story and said nothing and let Megan be the villain. Mm-hmm. So she said that was like a turning point for her. And also, like, I looked at those flower girl dresses again and I'm like, really? <laughs> Th- this is what you all were fighting about? There was a fight over this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like a dress is a dress is a dress. Like, they're not bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And Megan also mentioned that the firm and the tabloids have a relationship. 
So it was even more upsetting that the firm wasn't defending her when tabloids wrote false and racist shit about her. So the, the tabloids then continued to pile on Megan for, you know, not being a white English rose, basically. Mm-hmm. And she felt less and less supported by the royal family. And that's when she reached a dark place. And this was after the wedding and began to have suicidal thoughts because she felt trapped and hopeless. And she went to the HR department of the royal family and asked for help. Like she wanted to be sent to a treatment center. She just needed help because she was in a bad place Mm -hmm. and she was having bad thoughts. And they denied her saying that they couldn't do that because if that got out, they didn't want it to get out that she was going to a treatment center. And, you know, they put on a fake face like, oh, we sympathize with you, but no. So she just had to deal with it on her own. And um, even Harry, I think he said he tried to get her help and Mm -hmm. to no avail. So, and she said she spent months and months inside the palace because she was told she was overexposed in the media and she needed to stay out of the spotlight. So then there's the racism, uh, which truly made me prolapse in shock because, you know, I never heard a racist thing about the royal family. I never heard racist things from Prince Philip or Princess Michael of Kent or even Harry. Yeah, you, I'm just so shocked that, like, the world's biggest colonizers would maybe be racist. That is so shocking to me. Yeah, that was the bombshell. So, but Megan claimed that when she was pregnant with her son Archie, one member of the royal family had a conversation with Harry and was concerned about how dark their baby's skin will be since Meghan Markle is biracial. And this was one of my favorite parts of the interview, not because of what Megan said, because that's awful, but because Oprah, she took a dramatic wide, ma- you know, open mm-hmm. mouth pause and then just said, what? <laughs> and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? And who, who is having that conversation with you? Oprah, my Oprah favorite part. Me, yeah, Oprah was like the your boss when you're like, listen, I can't come in tomorrow for my shift. They're like, what? <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I was like, is my this janky live stream freezing again, or is she really taking a really good dramatic pause? It was a really good dramatic pause. Mm-hmm. And both Harry and Meghan would not say which member of the royal family got mm-hmm. racist with them. Harry basically said he's going to take it to his grave. So Oprah later said that Harry wouldn't tell her, you know, off camera, but made it clear, he made it clear it wasn't the Queen or Prince Philip. Because I think I speak for most people when I say, like, I, I guessed it was Prince Philip. See, the thing is why I didn't think that is because okay. to me, it was someone who has some kind of authority in the royal family. And like, I don't know if Prince Philip does. So, you know, some, it's like a lot of people are guessing Princess Michael of Kent because she's racist. But does she even matter? You know what I mean? It seemed like someone who would matter. So that's why my guess is that tampon fetishist Prince Charles. That's my guess. Can I tell you who my guess is after? The corgis. You know, those corgis are racist as hell. No, they're not alive anymore. R.I.P. to those corgis. Um, no. So when we found out that it wasn't the Queen, it wasn't Philip. My guess was it was 
Um, this is again, this is just like my guess. I don't want to get sued. Um, Camilla. Okay, because they Harry said that it would be like, or no, Megan said that it would be like, um, uh, d- not devastating. What well, I can't remember what word she said. It would be like very damaging, very damaging. And I was like, whose reputation is already kind of not the greatest? I don't know. I just felt like it was all like, of them. <laughs> I mean, all of them. Yeah, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Which one? Which one? But no, I don't know. That's why I feel like it might be Camilla. Well, why? But how would that be damaging? Because Prince Charles is going to be the king, so that to me would be more damaging. Maybe I think that, but I think because he's the king, it's easier to like brush stuff away. And I feel like the British press is like obviously the British press is like you know racist, but they're also very sexist. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that like the British press would have loved because it's like. I know that how much they like love to point out that like yeah. Camilla was the other woman and all that stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I just feel like they, that would be way more damaging in terms of like, you know, the Daily Mail yeah. writing about it every single week. Yeah. Uh, there was also talk about their baby's title. So Archie got the title of Master Archie. And it seemed like at the time that it was Harry and Meghan's decision to not give him a prince title because they wanted him to be as normal as possible. But Megan said that they were told that Archie would not get the title of prince and that he would also not get security in the future. So that was something that obviously they weren't happy with because he needs security. But usually the great grandchildren of the king or queen, they don't get like the prince or princess titles. Mm-hmm. Unless they're the child of someone who is in direct line for the throne. Like Prince William is going to be king one day. He's in direct line of the throne. Mm-hmm. So his children get those titles. Harry is not. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, but if but if William if something happens to William, then Well, when Charles becomes king, then Archie will become a prince. Okay, yeah. Because then he's the grandchild of the king right but that's what i read i don't know if it's true that's what i read i didn't learn it from the crown surprisingly i i read it but yeah and the crown teaches us a lot yeah so when harry and megan left the royal family it seemed like it was their decision and something they wanted to do and the tabloids also pushed the narrative that Meghan, you know, is a maniacal dictator and pushed Harry to do it. And Harry, you know, is some wuss and just went along with it. But Megan, Yeah, or that Harry has like Stockholm Syndrome. Yes. But yeah, I think they call him Hostage Harry. Yeah. But Meghan said that when she joined the royal family, her goal was to be a working royal and to do that and help the monarchy. Like that was her goal. Mm -hmm. But when she and Harry got zero support and shit fell apart, they decided... They needed to leave. Harry said it got so bad with his father, Prince Charles, that Prince Charles stopped returning his calls. Uh, Harry was cut off financially from the family. But um, Harry's mother, Princess Diana, left her sons a ton of money. So Harry used that money to move his family to America. Uh, Harry says he felt let down by his father, but they talk. As for his brother, Prince William, there were a lot of reports that they were fighting and Harry pretty much confirmed that by saying that they don't talk and they're taking some space away Mm -hmm. from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, overall, like, I think they delivered. They spilled. I think they did. I think that they gave us, you know, more than we even deserve. 
Yeah, and I don't, and I don't like, like I said, I don't believe that she didn't Google Harry, but I do believe like she went into the royal family naively. Yeah, I think that yeah, like when she says that um, you have to like curtsy in front of the queen at all times. That's something that I learned from the crown. And I was like, that is bullshit. That is exhausting. Every single time you see her, you have to curtsy. Like, that's craziness. But I feel like that's just like the tip of it. I feel like there's probably so many weird rules. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if none of them have cell phones and they're only allowed to communicate with each other through their assistants. Well, yeah. And she did say like they they keep they kept her passport and her IDs. So if she wanted to like flee the country or leave the country she couldn't because they have her passports yeah I mean, she says she like if she, yeah yeah like if she just wanted to go down the street it was hard for her so i think right. maybe she didn't know that about that shit she thought oh i'm gonna marry this hot prince i'm gonna get to do all this charity work i want to do i get to wear all these nice jewels and but like princess diana told us it's true she warned us like crazy that it's like it's a mess it's not a fun job the family is weird and awful but i think though you like don't believe it's like you don't know until you know you know yeah that's true <laughs> that that's that should be the name that's of, the, uh, that's oprah's that's, follow-up special you don't know until you know you know no that should be the tagline of the royal family before you <laughs> they hand you a handbook that says the royal family you don't know until you know but yeah, so a lot of people like Megan, a lot of people hate her. You know, they think she's some social climbing hussy. But and they say like, oh, she's no Diana. But I'm like, if you like Diana, you should like Megan Markle because they're both like speaking out. They both yeah. like Diana spoke out. Megan is speaking out. Yeah. And they're both like kind they're both like being real about it. Like they're being like, guess what? The job is not that great. Like, yes, you get to wear fancy clothes, but then you have to give them back. You can't keep them. Like, you're super alone. All your friends are, like, hired to hang out with you. Like, it sucks. Like, they're they're both t- saying the exact same thing. Yeah. But Megan is a little cheesy because <laughs> she did compare herself to the Little Mermaid. Because, you know, the Little Mermaid's a princess mm-hmm. without a voice. And I was like, cringe. Yeah, that was, I didn't need that. She's like, one could say it's also like Beauty and the Beast, me being Beauty and the Beast being the establishment. Or perhaps the Lion King. Yeah, there's someone in line for the throne, but it's a fight to get there. It was terrible. I didn't like that. I didn't like it. But you know what? It does, it, if there's just like a couple little like missteps that make me be like, uh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Because the rest of it was completely acceptable and more. Well, and the opposite of a misstep, which was my favorite, favorite part of the interview, was when Megan was talking about how she's, you know, work, she's been working most of her life and that her first job was at the Froyo place, Humphrey Yogurt. Thank God I had that life experience. Thank God I had known the value of working. My first job was when I was 13 at a frozen yogurt shop called Humphrey Yogurt. Have you ever been there? No, it's in Sherman Oaks. I've never been there. But when she said Humphrey Yogurt, I was like, okay, Oprah, you can cut the camera, send everyone home. It doesn't get better than that. It it peaked at Humphrey Yogurt. It's that's such a good pun. <laughs> so good. That somebody on like Twitter was like, that absolutely sounds like something that was made up in the TV show The Good Place. And I was like, yeah, it was. I had to Google it because I was like, this can't be real. It oh, was the good place real. wishes they had Humphrey Yogurt. Oh, they do. 
Okay, so naturally, we heard Megan and Harry's side of things. And Michael, I don't know about you, I was waiting to see what the royal family would say about it all. But of course, like, not surprising, nobody really had much to say because Harry and Megan basically told us, like, they won't release statements to the press. So for most of Monday, it was, like, dead silence. Um, And then finally, Buckingham Palace released a statement from, like, it was supposed to be from the Queen, right? Mm -hmm. And it said, the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. Okay, so there's so much to unpack within that statement. I wish that Oprah could do, like, a quick follow-up special with Gail King to, like, dissect this statement. Um, Because, yeah, there's just a ton in it. Like, I love how they're like, we were saddened to learn, uh, according you to Meghan and Harry. Yeah. yeah, they went to you and said, we're having problems. I yeah, no, are you saddened to learn, you know, that Prince Andrew is a predatory creep? Yeah. Allegedly. They, they haven't learned that yet. They're like, they still have their fingers in their ears. They're like, ah, don't mention Prince Andrew, please. Yeah. Are you going to look into that privately yeah. as a family? Yeah. They're, yeah. We're going to, this will be addressed by the family privately. No police, no FBI, please. Um, also, when they were like, recollections may vary. Ooh, if that isn't like gaslighting family 101. You know, where it's like, you maybe have remembered this wrong. This is not the way that I remember things happening. So that was was very carefully worded. It was. Yeah. I mean, the statement should have just been like, yes, it sounds like things for Harry and Meghan sucked. And it's really unfortunate that it got so bad that they had to move. Like also. Yeah. (laughs) Also, Humphrey Yogurt sounds delicious. So next time we're out, I'm in L.A., Meghan, we'll go there. That's what the queen should have said. Because yeah, the statement like you. came from the Queen, which and and like it took a while to get a statement out. So I'm like, yeah, this is what you came up with. Yeah, it's like you had hours. It's they had not like a day. They had they had because yeah. it aired on Sunday night in the U.S. They obviously yeah. knew everything that was in it, and they didn't release it until like two a day and a half later. Yeah, th- literally. What is that team doing? To be fair, as Harry and Meghan told us, the team doesn't exactly uh, write statements, you know, denying stuff that the press has written. So this was their one of their first times writing a statement for the press because usually they don't want to say anything about it. Um, but also, I love too when it was like this will be addressed by the family privately. Like, no, you know, be cool, do it publicly. Let us know you're going to take care of this thing publicly. because No, what like they mean by that is we're going to leak our real responses to the tabloids. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you, sources here, you know, shit like that. And yeah, and uh, there's already already been stories like that. Like sources say Prince William is devastated, you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah, source, sources say that the Queen has told Princess Michael not to wear racist jewelry anymore. Yeah. What more do you people want? So um, there, we haven't heard anything from William. We haven't heard anything from Kate. I highly doubt we're not going to. I, we haven't heard anything from Camilla. Now, we did sort of get a little something from Prince Charles. So Prince Charles made his first appearance um, since the interview at a COVID vaccine pop-up. And um, it, was de- it definitely wasn't uh, the palace doing damage control. Um, 
Prince Charles was photographed with a number of black people, which again, see that's why I think he's the one because that that stunt queen they're doing damage control and then not trying to hide it either. It, it's true. It would the only way it could have been more obvious is if the vaccine COVID vaccine pop up had like taken place at a support group for American actresses that moved over to the UK for some reason. Um, and so somebody asked him kind of on his way out if he'd seen the interview, if he had any comment, and he like was like, yeah, no comment. I really don't want to talk about this. So that was awkward. Um, but I'm sh- I don't know if like they will re- release a statement again. We just have to wait on that. Well, I mean, knowing how long it took to get the Queen's statement and uh, allegedly the Queen wasn't even the problem and it took her a long time. So I can only imagine what, how long other people are taking. So... In the meantime, we have the fallout from this uh, interview. And you know how they say every cloud has a silver lining? Yes. Okay, so here's the silver <laughs> lining. Pierce Morgan doesn't have a job on TV anymore. Yeah, so, we have Megan. So thank you, Megan. Thank you. Honestly, if I was like a letter writer, I'd write her a letter. A thank you letter. Um, so Pierce Morgan is has been on uh, the channel ITV's Good Morning Britain for quite a while. And Pierce Morgan is, and if you don't know, he's annoying. And he also really hates Meghan Markle. So we're going to go back in time. In 2015, Meghan Markle, like, allegedly maybe went on a date or went to go get drinks with Pierce Morgan. Well, this is, that's Pierce's version. And he was married at the time, first of all. So I don't, I didn't take it as a date. I didn't, no, I don't think it's a date. I was using date because I didn't have a better word for it. I feel like it was maybe like a, I think he thinks it was a date. Um, Because the way he talks about it, it sounds like he makes it seem like she ghosted him, which to me though, it seems more like it was like a work thing, like a work contact where she was just like, yeah, I guess I'll have drinks with this person. Like, networking it was a networking night yeah so what he claims is like she slid into his dms yeah and they chatted about suits and he watched suits a show she was on and then she would you know they got friendly she would send him the episodes and then she went to london i think to see serena williams play or something like that or mm-hmm. s- something along those lines met him they had a drink at a pub they had a martini then she left and went to meet with P- prince harry yeah. and never contacted him again yeah and so ever since then pierce morgan has just like his heart turned to like pure shit and he's so mad so he's been like definitely like a harry and megan hater for a long time so he had a lot to say after this interview all of it being you know like she's acting and they're terrible and how dare they and prince philip is dying and like this is so tacky of them it was of course yeah exactly questioning her mental yes. health so, yes, yeah, so when um, when Megan, you know, said in her interview, like, it got dark and, like, I didn't know how I was going to, you know, get out of this situation. So, Pierce to that, he said, um, this was on TV, on a morning show, by the way. It was too early in the morning for this. He said, I don't believe what she says, Megan Markle. I wouldn't believe her if she read me a weather report. So, obviously, people were like, that's rude. And especially since ITV... Um, partners with this um charity like a mental health charity called mind and they have this thing called get britain talking campaign so it's about like talking about mental health so obviously everybody was calling out pierce morgan and good morning britain being like oh uh that's so crazy that you like partnered with this 
campaign called Get Britain Talking and someone on your show is talking about basically how they don't believe that somebody had suicidal thoughts. They Mm -hmm. were like, that's awful. So after it happened, more than 41,000 people wrote in to complain about Pierce's comments, which, I mean, yeah, it was bad. So Ofcom, which is like the British... FCC, they've launched investigation. So now that we know that, so we know that like Pierce Morgan said stuff that pissed people off. Ofcom decided to investigate. So that brings us to today. And with that in mind, Pierce's co-presenter, Alex Beresford, decided to confront him. Like he Mm -hmm. was like, "You're, you're a piece of shit. And like you were saying like the rudest stuff about her and like you hate her so much. Like we get it. You hate her. Right. And Pierce just, like, left. Like, he's like, well, I don't have to take this, whatever. And he left. Yeah, because it was... Because um, it was a lot about Meghan Markle being biracial and Mm -hmm. what she's faced with that. And Alex was confronting Pierce about that. You know, Alex was saying, I have have experienced the same kind of treatment. So I I really felt that when she said that. Yeah, and... Yeah. yeah, and then he's like, you just hate her because she, like, ghosted you or whatever. And yeah. he walked out. It was beautiful. And I understand that you've got a personal relationship with Meghan Markle or had one, and she cut you off. She's entitled to cut you off if she wants to. Has she said anything about you since she cut you off? I don't think she has, but yet you continue to trash her. Okay, I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. No. Oh, Sorry. Do you know what? That's pathetic. You can trash me, maybe not my no, own. No, no, no. See you later. I'm being... Su- Sorry, can't this do this. This is absolutely diabolical behaviour. I'm sorry, but Pierce spouts off on a regular basis and we all have to sit there and listen. 6.30 to 7 o'clock yesterday was incredibly hard to watch. Incredibly hard to watch. Yeah, it was so great. So after he walked out, Pierce tweeted a picture of a clock that said TikTok and people were like, that's weird, what does that mean? And then very quickly after... ITV released a statement. Um, Following discussions with ITV, Pierce Morgan has decided now is the time to leave Good Morning Britain. ITV has accepted this decision and has nothing further to add. Well, probably because they knew that everyone else would have something to say about it. Yeah, and he probably got fired. He definitely probably got fired. Now, The Sun uh, claims that um, ITV wanted Pierce to apologize on air. And that he wouldn't do that. So essentially, it was probably one of those conversations where they're like, okay, so either you quit or we fire you. Like, how do you want to go out? Um, And also, Pierce's contract was coming to an end this year. So he probably just decided not to fight it and was like, okay, fine, I'll quit. I'm using quit with air quotes because he was... He was probably definitely fired, right? Yeah, it was mutual. Well, I don't know if it was mutual, but they probably wanted him out. Yeah, I mean, can you blame them? Everybody's probably singing that. Well, I can blame them today. I can blame them for hiring him in the first place. It's true. I mean, the Daily Mail fired him in 2004. Like, they knew what they were getting when they hired him. He still writes for them, though, right? I think he still writes for the Daily Mail. I think so. But still, so who knows what he's going to do now? I'm sure Pierce Morgan will be fine. He'll probably get Fox News. Yeah, Fox News will love this week. This poor British man was silenced for speaking the truth. Again, it he'll probably be fine, unfortunately. Well, and it was beautiful because it's like, Pierce sits there day in, day out, spews, talks shit, 
everything. Okay, whatever. And then someone, and Alex, he wasn't even mean. He was polite, just telling him facts, telling Pierce facts. And he Mm -hmm. like flips out, shits in his fucking diaper, has this fucking tantrum. And it's couldn't handle it. No. I mean, I think the best part though was like, yeah, like you said, Alex Beresford was like very, he was just like, here's why, here's why this isn't good. Like literally just like, this is why, this is why what you said wasn't good. But when he brought up the fact that like Megan ghosted him or whatever, see, I didn't really know about that story until Alex Beresford brought it up. So really? Yeah. yeah, So thank you to Megan for getting Pierce Morgan fired. But thank you to Alex Beresford for making Pierce Morgan look like such a loser. Yeah, because it's like the reason why he talks shit about Megan is because he's obsessed with her. Oh and it's God, like yeah. he's obsessed with her. I mean, now now he has the time to like rage jack off to all these stories about her, you know, mm-hmm. all day. So that's good for him. He's the Mariah Carey song. Why are you so obsessed with me? We are now going to go over five stories, starting with Nicolas Cage, who is somebody's husband again. Nicolas Cage and his girlfriend of about a year, Rico Shibata, got married in Las Vegas on February 16th, which was a special date to Nick because it's his late father's birthday. Rico is from Japan, so Nicholas proposed to her through FaceTime romance. Mm-hmm. Um, and his Asian fetish is alive and well. Uh, this is Nicholas's fifth marriage and Rico's first. Nicholas is 57 years old and Re- uh, Rico is 26. Yes. And um, said Lisa Marie Presley when she heard the news, wow, to think he was my second most normal husband. It took me a minute, but yeah. <laughs> but she's been she's been married to some strange ones. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I would tell Rico to get money, bitch, but does Nick Cage even have money to get? It's all in his hair. He's invested it all in his beautiful hair. Or dino artifacts. So get mm-hmm. those dino artifacts, bitch. Um, this is something completely random, but if you had Janice Dickinson talk shit about Julie Andrews on your 2021 bingo card. Congratulations. (laughs) So Janice Dickinson, the self-proclaimed world's first supermodel, was on the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast and decided to talk shit about Julie Andrews. So Janice said uh, years ago she was at an event at UCLA and Julie Andrews was in the back room taking selfies with fans. Janice waited and when it was her turn to take a selfie with Julie... Julie Andrews said she was sorry, but she had enough. So Janice then said, and I was like, enough of what? I stood in this line to get your autograph politely. She was like, well, I'm done. I'm tired. I was like, fuck you, man. How dare you? She's a bitch. She hurt my feelings. You can go sound and music elsewhere. <laughs> go sound and music. Sound Good and one, music. Janice. Does she write our puns? <laughs> she, she's our she pun writer. She should. <laughs> <laughs> email us Go do freelance Janice <laughs> I loved it I love that it sounds like Janice really wanted to meet Julie Andrews and I didn't realize that Janice Dickinson was such a huge Julie Andrews fan but maybe Janice was like I heard she can fly with an umbrella and I haven't done that kind of stuff since the 80s <laughs> 
Go sound and music elsewhere. <laughs> okay, see, I don't believe this story. Because there's no way Janice Dickinson got bitchy with Julie Andrews, right? Because Julie Andrews may seem like a refined rose, but she's obviously not the one. And she would have taken off her shoes, taken off her jewelry, and handled Janice, given her a spoonful of whoop ass. Which doesn't help the medicine goes down because how can it go down when Julie has knocked in your throat? So Gwyneth Paltrow, yes, her again. I feel like we're always talking. I feel like every week. Pretty Is much. it every week? <laughs> she's the third. She's the third co-star of this podcast at this point. Goop, goopy. Yeah. So um, she is getting into the meal delivery business because there's not enough of those. Her meal delivery business is called Goop Kitchen. Yuck. I'm yeah. Like Goop is something I definitely do not want to eat. Well, I don't. I don't know. Do I? Well, Goop it comes out of penises. So yeah, it is. Okay. Anyways, uh, Goop Kitchen will provide gluten-free and Goop certified clean meals. Yes, Goop certified clean is a term that they're using. It just means like no sugar. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but it's like Goop it's certified. Choice. Yeah. It's a choice. <laughs> so they're mostly going to sell wraps, bowls, and soups and sandwiches and such. All menu items are under $16 and only available in the Santa Monica area right now. So if you're in Santa Monica and you want a bowl that tastes like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina, hit up Goop Kitchen. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad that they mentioned the price on it because um, when I first heard that Gwyneth Paltrow had a meal delivery service, I assumed that just every week you'd receive a box and inside would just be a single piece of paper that read, oh, no, there's no way you can afford the food in here. (laughs) She's just trolling people. (laughs) It was International Women's Day earlier this week. Happy belated International Women's Day, Alice, and I don't think I wished it to you. Um, but many brands decided to get into the celebration, including Burger King, and they really should have kept it in the drafts. They decided to use International Women's Day to announce the launch of their scholarship program for aspiring female chefs. So they announced with tweets, with a series of tweets that read, Women belong in the kitchen. If they want to, of course. Yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the restaurant industry by empowering female employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary career. And then they announced their program. They also took out an ad in the New York Times that had women belong in the kitchen at the top. Mm-hmm. So they obviously got a lot of shit for this, including from, you know, from their fellow fast food places like KFC. And they apologized and took the tweets down. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will say I identify as a woman. And me personally, the most offensive thing to me is that Burger King considers themselves to be a restaurant with chefs. I read the full copy. Culinary dreams? Sir, you make French fry shaped chicken. In a microwave. (laughs) Culinary nightmares. Mm -hmm. And see, like, a whole team came up with this, right? Oh, They came up with this line, yeah, they... Saw, like, 30 30 sets of eyes looked at this before it went out. Yeah, and it still went through. So, like, so now we know that the team who approved that line have the same taste as the team who approves the nasty shit that Burger King puts on their menu. And finally, this month marks the one-year anniversary of when we all, most of us, went into quarantine... 
it feels wrong to say happy coronaversary since there's nothing happy about it. But Allison, what are you going to do to mark the one year anniversary of going into lockdown? Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate in the same way that I celebrated last year, which is to say I'm gonna stay in at night, watch TV, and just generally be antisocial, uh, to which my high school years are like, oh, so the usual then. Yeah, my high school years, my grade school years, my 20s, my 30s all say that. But add wine. Add a box of wine and there we go. In our mailbag this week, we've got a few questions from listener Mario, who asks me, um, can you share anything about the beginnings of Delisted? How did your family react? I read how all the celebrity blogs of that era were supporting each other in the beginning. Without naming names, did any of those get sour? Hmm. Are you ready to stroll down memory lane, Michael? Yes. As Oprah would say, I'm ready to reveal my truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've talked about the beginnings of Delisa before, but uh, I started it totally half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. I thought it would last a week, um, but I read like a lot of Perez. Mm-hmm. Did you read a lot of Perez? Not a lot, no. Yeah, I read Perez, Hilton, and Pink is the New Blog. I see. I was into Pink is the New Blog. Yeah, I read those two, so I decided to do my own, and then my friends read it, and they passed it to their friends, and here we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, my family shouldn't have supported me, <laughs> but they did. Like, my mom read it at first, but then she's she would read about, like, my me mate talking about my hole and sucking yeah. dick, and she's like, I can't do this. So she, same with this podcast. She tried, but then she heard me talk about my hole and was like, I can't do this. So... She supports me, but she doesn't read it or listen to this podcast. My sister still reads it, listens to this podcast. So yeah, my family has always supported me for that. Um, as for like, uh, re- having you know, relationship with the other bloggers like during mm-hmm. the golden era, um, like we we all like I had good relationships with everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. we and we all supported each other. Like we would link each other, and a lot of us still do. Like we would mm-hmm. link our blogs to each other. And I never became friends with any of them, but I still talk, you know, have good relationships with them. Like Lainey from Lainey mm-hmm. Gossip was always supportive. Uh, Katie at Celeb Bitchy was always supportive, and Perez Hilton was very supportive. You know, when I people started to read me, right. like he would, he was very nice to me. And, um, I mean, I don't talk to him anymore, but I'd only talked to him a few times, but he was, he was very nice. And Jared Ng of Just Jared, um, I'd run into him sometimes because we both lived in New York. Right. And like at the peak of the blog era, a lot of media companies wanted to do something with us. Mm -hmm. So they would, uh, come up with shows <laughs> when you say when you say media companies what do you mean like production companies okay like pe- production companies make tv shows they oh. wanted to make blog tv shows several right. of them so i would audition for a lot of them and okay. i would jared would audition for them and so we would run into each other there and one pilot that i thought maybe this one is going to <laughs> make it okay but it was um it was made for e okay. and they had a show in the 90s called the gossip show okay never heard of it 
No, it was so it was a bunch of like gossip people like Janet Charlton. I, I don't remember who else was in it, but like gossip columnists. And right. they basically it would just uh, tell gossip tidbits from like their office. Okay. Right. If they weren't in a studio altogether, it was like from their office, I believe. So the uh, so the idea for the reboot of the gossip show is called the Blah Blah Blog Show. This great was- title. That's a great title. I love it. <laughs> and it was actually very pandemic friendly before the pandemic because we were each, you know, like at our in uh, on webcam in front of our computers. Okay. And they we would just record our bit in front of the webcam and the director would be in LA or whatever and be, would be watching it and directing us. And we, I don't remember who else was in the cast. I believe the Go Fug Your Girls were. Okay. I Jared might have been. I don't remember. But, and then they were, they pieced all of our parts together. Okay. And it never got picked up. No, it was probably awful. I remember, I remember like doing my thing yeah. And the director telling me, like, can you tone that down a little bit? Yes, yes. <laughs> like, I was too dirty, I think. And then I was like, why did they even cast me? Oh, no, Michael, like, okay. I can't say anything. Yeah, not to not to make this about me. I'm not. I'm just going to interject really quickly. I did the same thing. I had two auditions for two different MTV pilots for that were kind of the same thing. And um, my first audition, they were just like, we can't use any of that. For that reason, where they're like, it's too rude. We can't use any of it. They're like, we. Have it's to- a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so too. But anyways, I would love to see those. I'd love to see those tapes. Oh, I would love yours, to see your I tapes. Mean. No, I want to see your tapes. Mine, I don't want to see. But yours, yeah, I definitely want to see. We'll trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's our show for the week. If you've got a question for Allison or me or both. Uh, email us at dtp at delisted.com dtp at delisted.com so till next week goodbye bye